0: being selected as well it's, it's not like oh you're selected well done amazing things no you know you will have to face a lot of people
1: who would tell you you know how to become more sellable you're listening to foodie canteen i'm your host Castle lim and in this podcast i'm sitting down with southeast asia's leaders entrepreneurs and content creators in the fmb space you will learn about their trade secrets or you'll just find them as your next door neighbor this show is supported by good foodie media for foodie who wants to connect to the world through food they curate the best spots to eat and drink in malaysia bangkok and singapore check them out on instagram for more today we have a notable chef joining us on the show she's hosted over 50 food shows throughout her career and we couldn't have caught her at a better time Listen in for a story. Hey Anis, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you feeling today? I'm good.
0: Um, I've been busy at home cooking every day. <laughs>
1: So, for our listeners who are listening for the first time, can you tell us what you do?
0: Um, okay, um, my name is Anis Nabila. I am actually a TV chef. Um, I am a chef. I, I studied culinary arts. I worked in a hotel for a while, but about oh God, how long ago was that? In two thousand seven, I started doing my first show. I was called for an audition for my first cooking show. And since then, I've been doing cooking shows.
1: Where was your earliest memory of being in the kitchen?
0: My earliest memory of being in the kitchen was when I was about, oh goodness, five, six years old. I was very, very young. So my mother, uh, I'm one of eight. I've got seven siblings so my mother was a working mom so every day after she comes home from work she would want to spend time with the children but she would also uh, like to cook for us so after work she would like take all of us with her into the kitchen and just sit around her and she
1: will prepare meals for us So, I mean, you were 10, right? Uh, I read that when you wanted to make the perfect talor dada and that's how you started like experimenting, cooking in the kitchen.
0: Yes. So I was actually nine years old. Um, that was my first time cooking on my own in the kitchen, because before that it was all assisting. So I used to assist my mother and my late grandmother a lot in the kitchen. So my mom used to like give us different tasks, like you know helping her with cakes and stuff. So we would be um, helping her mix colors into her rainbow marble cakes and and such. Um, but the first ever time I went into the kitchen on my own was when I was nine years old, I was really hungry and my late grandmother, because my mom was at work, both my parents were at work, and my grandmother used to uh, babysit us. So, But she was occupied with the younger siblings. And I remember being super hungry and even my younger sister was hungry as well. So I was like, you know what? I think I can fry an omelette. I think I can make the low dada So I went to the kitchen, um, because before that, you know, um, we weren't allowed to just do anything on our own in the kitchen because it was, you know, to be fair, it is quite dangerous, you know, to be handling fire and, uh, sharp objects at, at that age. But I was pretty confident and my late grandmother said, okay, just be careful. Like if, if anything, just, you know, just cream so I went into the kitchen and fried myself an omelette and I remember thinking that was the best omelette I've ever met I have I've ever made in my life it was the first omelette I've ever made in my life
1: <laughs> did you already know that you wanted to become a chef like at the young age
0: no actually no um I didn't plan on being a chef back then well one because you know in Malaysia um Back then, we're talking about, you know, 15 years ago, uh, even before that, they don't really call it chef-chef, you know, they call it tukamasa or cooks. Even if you studied culinary arts, even if you have a diploma in culinary arts, you will still just be a cook until you earn the title chef, which would take you about, you know, five, six, seven years in, in a professional kitchen. So it wasn't something that was promoted, um, promoted back then, you know. It wasn't like even in school, no one I knew have ever said, you know, I want my ambition is to be a chef. Um, I've always loved cooking, but I never um, entertained the idea of being a chef back then because I did not want... Uh, cooking to be my job. Mm-hmm. So I told, I told, I remember my mom, she was saying this uh, after I graduated from high school, I, I told her I wanted to read law and I wanted to do journalism, read law or journalism or um, <clears throat> psychology. And then my mom I was like, you know, you'll do great in any, all of that, but, you know, why don't you give Culinary, a try since you really enjoy cooking. And I said, You know, mom, I would love to, but I just don't want to get bored of it. You know, it's something that I love doing, it's my hobby. I don't want to one day wake up and say, You know, I'm done. You know, I have to go to work and cook, and then I come home, I'll be cooking. Um, But then she said to me, because my mother, she was in HR for a really long time. So she said, you know how many people I deal I have to deal with every day who hates their job? Like so many. Do you know how lucky you would be if you have a job that you truly love? If you have a if you can do something you're passionate about, you know, and make money. And then I said, fine, I'll give it a try. <laughs> No promises. If it's like, if I don't enjoy it, if it's not what I think it's going to be, then, you know, I'm not going to proceed and you can't force me. And then she was like, well, yeah, I'm just glad you're going to try something you love doing. So I enrolled myself in a culinary school and I remember like the first week I I fell absolutely in love with it. I remember thinking, you know what? This is my calling. You know, that's so much more to learn just even though I felt like I was already good in cooking at that point there was still so much to learn
1: yeah and you went on to school uh at the Food Institute of Malaysia how was the experience like for you
0: oh it was really really good uh so I have a diploma in culinary arts because back then they didn't offer any degree in Malaysia um so I remember thinking so the diploma is in uh classical French. And I remember just, you know, being mind blown in every class, you know, like learning the French terms of things, from learning the rules, the do's and don'ts, you know, the 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 um what do you call that? The the process from like wrapping the ingredients to you know producing something that is amazing you know it, it blew my mind and back then we didn't have youtube you know you can't just simply google recipes you have to have like a recipe book and even if you have a recipe book you can't replicate everything so like being able to learn like you know like for example the basic mother sauces you know, that alone blew my mind because I'm like, oh my goodness, from this sauce, I can make this from this sauce. I can make that. Oh, my God. The possibility is endless. And I remember just completely falling in love with it. Um, and I did. I did so well that I represented my um, I represented Food Institute of Malaysia at a few international competition competitions culinary competitions um, and I won a few medals as well.
1: As of right now we are speaking, you have hosted more than 50 shows. Bring us back to the first show. How, how did that opportunity come about?
0: Okay, so the first show is called Ichib Ichib. Uh, that was done in 2007. Um, Ichib Ichib actually, um, it's, it's quite cool. Um, this was This was how I started basically in this TV industry. Um, the producer, my first ever producer, uh, is a Spouse. She is a pioneer in TV3. So she contacted, um, a lecturer of mine. And at that point I've already graduated and I was working, uh, part time in a hotel in Kuala Lumpur. So she contacted my lecturer and asked if my lecturer knew anyone, uh, female, uh, culinary graduate or female chefs um, that would be able to audition, for they show that she she is coming. She came up with the came up with the concept. So my lecturer called me and I said, "Fine, I'll take um, you know the day off. I'll come and do the uh, the the audition." So I did, and I remember just being super paranoid because you know I had to speak um proper Malay like you know like new Malay at that point so and I remember just really struggling because at home we speak with a little bit of northern um accent um Nang accent because you know I grew up with my late grandparents and um, they lived with us and they speak the most, thickest Penang they have the thickest Penang accent. <laughs> and I have that when I speak normal Malay back then um so I was like you know what it's either I go that way or I'll speak with you know with a little bit of English you know and Malay makes they were like no no English no English so when I did the audition I was like you know what I'm just gonna uh speak with my Penang accent and I did that. <clears throat> And they were like, oh, my goodness, you know, you don't look like someone who can speak, uh, with, you know, with Panay accent. And I laughed. So, you know, I, I and after that, they they told me, OK, boy, we're going to call you for the second audition. And I didn't hear from, from them for about a month. And then they called me. They said, you know, you got you got it. So I was really surprised, but the show is really, really cool because it's a collaboration between Indonesia and Malaysia, actually. It means, um, it's an old Malay word, but it's still used in Indonesia. It means taste. Um, So the producer is from Indonesia. Uh, His name is Jakalegawa and he had this concept that was completely different um, to all the other shows that were available in Malaysia. He said, you know, I don't want anything to be measured in bowls. You're going to prepare everything on screen. And I was like, that's crazy. But it was also so fun. So I'll be like picking out the onions and everything and showing people how to peel and slice, which, you know, at that point, Even now, you can still see some of those, you know, tips on TikTok or online everywhere, you know, how to chop onion, like the best way to chop onion. But back then, it wasn't showcased on TV shows. So I believe that we were the first ones to do it here in Malaysia. So the show did really, really well. And in 2009 or 2010, It was bought by Asian Food Channel and it became the first Malaysian show that was
1: ad on Asian Food Channel. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) I mean, you've been in the industry for 15 years now. Your shows have, like you said, always been on TV, like... Um, it's our yeah. full crew, lights and camera. But now you have shifted yeah. to making recipes on social media platforms like Instagram. Yeah. Like what you said previously, you're showing these tips and tricks on the big screens. And then now yeah. it's doing, you're doing all this like TikTok hacks and Instagram hacks. Yeah. How how does yeah. that feel for you?
0: Oh, it feels great. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, the content that I am coming up with that I'm sharing with my followers are a little bit different to you know some of the contents that you see like the quick you know cooking videos that you see online because I started you know because of my background in TV I'm so used to giving like informations you know without people asking for it because I remember when When I just started, I remember, you know, I I struggled. Like, I'm sure everyone else (laughs) who had no experience on TV, you know. Uh, I remember just thinking to myself, like, how do I, because I'm literally talking to myself and there'll be like, what, five, six cameras around me. And I'll be talking to the cameras. I mean there are crews behind the you know behind the camera, but they're not gonna talk to me. so I'm technically talking to myself, and I remember thinking, you know what? there's no way that my audiences you know they they can they can reach out to me because again, at that point I had no uh you know there's no YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, you know. Um, and Facebook, you didn't have fan page, you know, you have that personal Facebook, you have to, you know, request for friend requests and stuff like that. So there was no way of, you know, for the audience to reach out to me if they had any questions. So I remember like everything I did, you know, I, I had to, to include tips and the do's and don'ts. And in case of anything, if, if something were to happen to, to your dish, uh, midway cooking, this is what you can do to fix it. So I remember having to do that. So my, my producer, um, is our Fauzi. I remember she, she told me, you know, Anis, the best thing for you to do is to just go in front, in front of the mirror, like every day and just talk to yourself, you know, like, and, how you would like, like whatever you're doing, like if you're cooking, if you're slicing the onion and you know, you don't want to, um, you want to avoid cutting your your fingers or whatever, like how would you do that? Just say that out loud. So that's how I practice. And that is the kind of content that I'm doing now as well. Like, because I'm, I'm so used to doing that on screen, on TV. So I want to make sure that, you know, when I share my recipes, it's not just about sharing the recipe because anyone and everyone can share recipes. You know, I can just say, okay, for you to make, say, I am Masa you need onion, garlic, blah, blah, blah. I can say that. Anyone can say that. But it's all these little tips and the do's and don'ts. And if anything were to happen, this is what you do. Those are the things that... Um, I've
1: included in my content. So right now in this market, we can see that a lot of people are making food videos and teaching people how to cook online. Um, but back when you first started in 2007, um, you kind of took the industry by surprise because it was mostly dominated by men. We see people like um, Chef One, um, but you were young yeah. and a female, you are in your 20s and people thought yeah. you didn't quote-unquote feed the celebrity chef more. I mean, how, how, what were some of the challenges that you faced and how did you break through that? <clears throat>
0: Well, um, yes. So when I started, there was a lot of, you know, uh, comments like, you know, you're not, um, she's too young to be teaching people to cook. You know, our audience are mostly housewives and they know how to cook. Why would they learn from this girl? Um, so I, I had a lot of that. And of course, like, oh, she's she's a woman. It's harder to sell women because, you know, most of them were established men. Um, and I remember, I mean, I was very young. I was 21 years old. I did not, I mean, I had, I had experience, you know, and I, you know, although, I was working for about slightly more than a year. I was in like international competitions and I've had to um, come up with dishes that are of international standards, you know, from start to finish, from prepping to, to, you know, plating and everything. And those were the skills that I had that most housewives who are able to cook delicious did not have so I remember I I told everyone you know this is what I wanted to share I wanted to share to people that if you feel like having you know like a classical French food or you know Italian food or any western dishes you don't have to necessarily eat out I can teach you how to do that I will not in the beginning I remember I did not want to focus so much on local food because I knew that, okay, my audience might be um, housewives and stuff who are used to cooking local food, you know? Um, So I told the producers, you know, I wanted to show something that, uh, something simple like, you know, cream of mushroom soup. Back then people were having the canned cream of mushroom soup and I'm like no I'm gonna show you how to make cream of mushroom soup from scratch and this was in 2007 um so I I did I I I couldn't really overcome what you know all those not couldn't I didn't really what do you say like oh fight them with whatever comments they had about me you know about me being a woman about me being young because there's no point of like fighting with them of like trying to tell them hey listen I can do this I can do that I but I just told my producer I'm like don't worry you know I I know what I want to teach them and even if it doesn't work out you know I'd be happy that I'm able to teach them something that I feel like no one no one's ever thought them before um so yeah, I basically dealt with it by um, giving my best, giving my best to the show.
1: Wow, um, I mean, twenty one. I wouldn't say it's um, yeah. I think twenty one years old now. They are pretty mature, but with we see the rise of like content creators. Um, there's also a lot of like you know online like harsh comments, and for you to be able to. Tell yourself at 21 that I'm just gonna do my best and and show you what I've got. Um not to say proof to them, but to bring the best recipe and show you and calming yourself down. I think that's just so powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, there, I'm not gonna lie, there were tears and stuff. I mean, you know, it it's tough, especially when you feel like being, okay. How do how do I I'm just gonna be uh completely honest with you right now. You know, being on TV and coming up, like being on TV and coming up with contents online, is, is two completely different things. When you are on TV, you are, you know, people tell you you are selected, but you know you're you're happy. Like I remember being extremely happy. I'm selected. You know, out of, out of everyone in Malaysia, I'm the only one who's selected to be on TV. And back then we did not have content creator. You know, it was all like, you you know, people know you if you're on TV. But being selected as well, it's it's not like, oh, you're selected, well done, amazing things. No, you know, you will have to face a lot of people who would tell you, you know, how to... mm, improve yourself, how to um become more sellable. Um and it wasn't easy on me because some of the comments I felt was was harsh and I felt like I had no control over. Like I was told that I'm not Malay enough. I was told that it's hard to sell me because I'm a woman. I was told that um it's hard to sell me because I'm not married, therefore I do not have the maternal instinct um, to be teaching people how to cook. You know, and those are the things that I remember um, it got to me and I remember it was really, really hard for me to accept those comments because it, there was nothing I can do about it to change. You know, I couldn't, I wasn't going to get married just so that people think, you know, I, I can teach better if I married I would you know and there's nothing I can do about my gender or nothing I can do about my looks if I don't look 100% Malay I don't look 100% Malay you know um but I remember you know just thinking like you know you I had to go through all of this because I had to toughen myself up because if I wanted to go far you know there was a lot more things that will be thrown at me, and true enough, you know when social media blew up, you know people felt like they have the rights to say anything they want about you, and they did. Um, but I remember at that point I was already quite um, immune, I would say, to to negative comments. I mean, I take whatever I can if you know, if it's a constructive criticism, I will take it and I would uh, use it to, to, to be better because in the end, my work, it, it, you know, I I wouldn't say like, Oh, I am seeking acceptance from everyone. It's not that, but my, my job is that I am providing my services to people and if they have, you know, feedbacks and everything, I should listen to them so that I can provide better service. Um, So, but those that, you know, give out comments, nasty comments, that doesn't make sense, you know, I block them out and I've had experience in blocking them out because, you know, I had to go through that when I started uh, my career as a TV chef.
1: What's your favorite dish to cook? Oh,
0: it changes from time to time, honestly. Uh, Right now, I love cooking Italian food. I love cooking pasta. Um, I also love cooking traditional Malay food. Um, I am a little bit obsessed with curry kepala ikan at the moment. I think I'm obsessed with it because I miss my mother and... I remember back then when I um, lived with her, when I used to live with her, I never cook curry. I can, but I didn't want to because my mom makes amazing curries, and I don't want my car- like anyone to compare my curry with hers. <laughs> um, but you know, ever since uh, I lived on my own, like every time I miss her, I'll I'll cook curry. I also love another dish. I think it's one of my favorite things to cook. It's masat Lemak Salai. It's such a special dish. It takes so long to make. I only ever make it once a year because I'll smoke my beef on my own. You know, I have to go around looking for coconut shells and husk, smoke them for six, five to six hours and then slowly braise it in you know, all the spices and coconut milk. Um, It's such an amazing dish. I love cooking and eating it, but
1: it's only a once a year affair for me. After this lockdown, even as the country opens up, people are starting to cook more at home. For beginner cooks, do you have any tips for them?
0: Um, Okay, this is something that I found really, really helpful as a student what I used to do is I used to go to the grocery store. This was when it was a lot safer to, you know, chill at the grocery store for hours. Um, and I used to take pictures of the ingredients, you know, whether it's vegetables, spices, um, you know, meat, seafood stuff. I would take pictures, um, and of, 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 The ingredient together with the label, I would smell it. Right now, I don't advise anyone to do that. But back then, it was safe to do that. So I would sniff like every herb, every spice to just get to know to to get to know you know you know the 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 smell because you can learn so much just by smelling. Like before you taste it, when you smell, you can learn so much. Like you can kind of know. You know the 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 flavor um, of the particular ingredient. So I used to do that to sort of sharpen my senses. and um, you know, of course like the things that I would buy. sometimes I would just buy ingredients that I've never worked with and go home and read as much as I can about it and sort of experiment with it so I know how to work with those ingredients. Um, I believe that, you know, that uh, enables me to come up with recipes, to write recipes easily, easier, because I knew, you know, the flavor profile, I knew the the smell, and I know, you know what to pair it with what would complement it Um, and I think that is important like I mean I think most of us mean, if you eat you'll be able to know the basic ingredients like onions and garlic and you know all of that because you consume it you know you especially in Asian cuisine like we use a lot of those spices ginger and such but there are other different spices that we might not um, have used for, you know, we have eaten it, but we don't know the 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 usage of it because, you know, you don't cook, for instance, like curry, you know, there's so many ingredients that goes into curry and some people, they, you know, they follow the recipe, but they don't know what is the function of those ingredients. You know, what kind of flavor does it bring to your curry? So I think if you, if you are new, and I think this is the best thing you can do if you are new, is to learn this so you have a more deeper understanding of the things that you're cooking. Because cooking to me is not just about throwing a bunch of things in a pot or in a pan. It is really getting to know every little ingredient, what it does to your food, what it does to your body. Um. That was, you know, one of the reasons why I was very happy to, to, to do TV. Um, when I started, like, they asked me, I remember during the, sorry, I'm just going back a little bit, but during the uh, my audition, they asked me, like, why should we choose you? And I said, you know, I'm a student, I'm a culinary student, but I don't have a lot of money, I'm given a fixed allowances. And every day, like during lunchtime, I have to go to the shop nearby and just, you know, have rice and sometimes rice with soup and, you know, fried egg. Um, Which, you know, I enjoy to be honest, but I knew there was a lot of things that I didn't want um, that went into those dishes, you know, like a lot of... um, preservatives and you know all the things that that's not really good for your body and I ate because I had to eat. but um, I know that you know if I'm given the option if I had time during lunch to cook my own lunch I would have done that so the reason why I really wanted to do it was just to encourage people to cook because cooking isn't hard and when you cook your own meals, you know exactly what you're putting in it. And, you know, automatically you know exactly what you're putting in your body. So I think that is very, very important. So if you are, you know, a beginner, you're just learning how to cook, I think, you know, learn about the ingredients that you're using, learn about the benefits. Like Asian food, you know, we are... this is, it's so rich in, in spices and most spices have a lot of benefits. It's just that we don't talk about it a lot. You know, we don't discuss these things. So we talk about like, oh, you know, this is going to add a delicious taste. But, you know, you should put in the effort to learn more about the ingredient
1: ingredients so you know exactly what you're putting into your body. Can you share with us some of the exciting projects that's coming out that you're working on right now?
0: Well, um, right now, I'm doing a lot. um, I'm doing more content uh, for my social media accounts. Um, But I'm also planning a book, another book. So I've done my first book, but it was a collaboration with um, Thermomix. Um, But this book is going to be like a book on you know on its own like a recipe book on its own um I'm still working on the uh what do you call that the concept and everything but I kind of know what I want or how I want it to be and you know I'm excited to feature some of my favorite dishes and how and you know little bit of stories behind it how it's sort of evolved um throughout the years because some of the recipes that I made that I've been sharing are recipes that I learned from my mother or my late grandmother but somehow um, evolved in the last few years because you know I I tested out a lot and I add you know I tweak it make it my own you know add some of my favorite ingredients in it so yeah I'm excited to share not only the recipes but also a little bit of stories behind the recipes in the book hopefully
1: for our listeners who's listening who is looking to um, perhaps maybe be a tv chef or uh, go down the path that you have taken do you have any advice for them
0: Oh, TV share. Uh, I think, um, well, just you need to equip yourself with knowledge. I think that is very, very important. Um, I have never, I've never really, you know, even when I started, I never thought about the fame you know, the fame that comes by doing this. I've always, always focused on the content that I was coming up with, that, you know, the, the, the knowledge that I was sharing. Um, so I read a lot, even now, like before I go to sleep, like at any time of the day when I have time, I will just be reading, I'll be Googling, I'll be reading because to me, you need to have the knowledge before you teach. You know, you can't, (laughs) you cannot, you know, just teach people when you don't fully understand things. So also teach what you know. Don't, if you don't understand Italian cuisine, don't teach Italian cuisine. You need to, it's, To me, this is me personally, I feel like, especially when you are doing different types of cuisine, you need to be respectful. You know, you know how Malaysians are so um, passionate when it comes to Malay food and the whole MasterChef UK ordeal, you know, the whole thing about, oh, crispy rinda, you know, People get angry and like, I get it. I get it. I'm like, you shouldn't be saying something like that when we don't know Malaysian food. So it is our duty as Malaysians to educate them. Okay, you know, it's not necessarily like, you cannot have crispy chicken skin when you make rendang because it's supposed to be braised. If you, you know, if you don't like, you know, soft, chicken skin, then you can always remove the chicken skin. Traditionally, rendang, chicken rendang is made with ayam penchin or, you know, like old rooster. So it is because it requires braising for a really long time. If you use, you know, the normal chicken now, you cannot cook the traditional rendang. So these are some of the things that we need to know before we get angry and attack people for not understanding our cuisines. And having said that, you know, if you want to be doing this and you want to teach Italian food, for instance, make sure you are respectful when you do that, because you want people to, you know, when they talk about Malaysian food, you want them to be right and you want them to know what they're saying. The same thing applies You know, when you cook Italian food, you cannot just say, okay, I'm going to add this, this, that, you know, because I'm making my own version. I mean, I, I get that you make your own version of things, but if you're making carbonara, you can't just say, oh yeah, you know, I have to add cream. That's not right. Because traditional carbonara doesn't have cream. So teach what you know. And before you teach, make sure you learn. There are recipes that I've been doing for 10 years you know that I still am learning about it I'm I'm still learning about the history of it because you know there's not many publications on it there's not many stories behind it so it's all about you know talking you know discussing having a healthy conversation about it and I I'm not shy to admit that and I think You know, everyone should have that that mentality, you know. It doesn't mean that you are famous, you have a lot of followers on Instagram who follows your recipe. That means you don't need to learn anymore. You know, it it is your duty. It is your responsibility, especially if you have a lot of followers. If you are sharing your knowledge with a lot of people, be respectful um, because you want people to also be respectful when portraying or sharing
1: our dishes. Thank you so much, Chef Anis, for coming on the show and spilling us all this kitchen wisdom. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You have just listened to Foodie Canteen. Special thanks to Chef Anis for sharing her story. The show is produced by me, your host, Castle Lim, and co-written by May Ray Kwa. The Foodie Canteen Podcast is made possible by the excellent team at Good Foodie Media. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Foodie Canteen for more. Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. Thanks for listening.